What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody, welcome to episode 86 of the Daniel 3 uh, podcast. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Um, this was uh, originally going to be last night, and then I rescheduled for tonight. So uh, sorry there was not a lot of warning on, on when the episode was going to come out. But uh, um, again, like I've said on the last last several episodes, um, when you hit kid number four, you, you suddenly just learn to live without a schedule because i mean between kids getting sick and uh kids hurting themselves and having to uh last minute scramble to convince the state that uh it's okay for me to educate my own kids and that's a that's a whole story i'll need to do a podcast on uh little fight i mini fight nothing major i had to get into with my school district um but anyway just lots of stuff going on but um uh, but yeah, I'm happy to be here talking with uh, our guests tonight and with all of you who are going to watch in the comments. Um, it's going to be a good show. So uh, sponsors, and I don't have, do I have a wine? I don't have a wine bottle to to hold up here. But uh, as always, we have uh, Rabbit Eye Blueberry Wine. Uh, my good friend Will Bell down in Georgia. I always like to plug him. Um, you've seen me talk to him on Reed Coverdale's show, Capitalist Communion. Um uh, if Jesus was walking the earth today and turning water into wine, it would be uh, rabbit eye blueberry wine, uh, as the saying goes. So you can check that out at rabbiteye.com. And that's it for uh, introductions and plugs. Um, I'm going to bring our guest up. Uh, I think this is his 
third or fourth time on the show, but um, we've we've had many conversations, whether it was this show or whether it was on uh, I've been a guest host on his show. Any enemy of can't speak tonight. Enemy of my enemy um, on the We Are Libertarians Network. I've been a guest host on that show um, many a time. Um, and we've we've had some discussions on um, a couple other podcasts as well, at least one other podcast, I think. Um, but I've known this guy forever, good friend of mine. Um, and it, it, what's funny is uh, th- like two or three months ago, I was defending him to all of my friends. And then I, I feel like the in, the in the last couple of weeks, he was having to do the same thing and defend me to a bunch of his friends. <laughs> so we like taking turns with that. But he is the, the uh, infamous... Uh, Hody Johns. Hody, how you doing tonight? Hey, Jacob. How's it going, man? We got each other's backs, except for this conversation in which we will fight. Well, yeah, we will destroy each other. But yes. yeah, no, it, 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 dude, it's so funny because I don't I don't know what it is because I feel like you and I are like anyone who gets to know us a little bit, anyone who like talks to us. It's like I feel like not that we can't get animated about something and we're not passionate, but I don't feel like we're incredibly controversial or incredibly hard to get along with like but yet it seems like uh me to your maybe me to some of the people that you associate with and vice versa um you know we we tend to rile certain crowds up so i i i I don't quite understand it although it it does i mean i I guess i take it somewhat as a compliment that i live rent free in some people's heads and (laughs) it's all you can really yeah. do sometimes i mean my goal is never to make anybody unhappy with me i don't want to be disliked <laughs> i think that that's a that's a terrible goal that some people sometimes feel the challenge like i'm disliked hooray it's like let's you can be disliked by saying very simple stupid oh, things. i i hate it like honestly right. it's terrible and, and i i had to learn to draw a boundary and I, I wouldn't you know i definitely i don't embrace being disliked i've just had to i've had to learn to achieve a zen to just realize like there's some people who no amount of trying to explain and trying to reach out to is going to get them to change their mind. Some people dig their heels in, they form an opinion of me and I'm not doing myself any uh, favors. If I try to bend over backwards to try to get someone to, you know, change their, their mind, whether it's an opinion about me or uh, something I believe or a character flaw or, or whatever. It's just like, uh, there are some people who like, like yourself, who we don't agree on everything and we sometimes get into it, but we always walk away friends. we always walk away with, Hey, I, I respect you as a person, as an individual. And you know, I don't, I like that. I don't like having an echo chamber. I like having a diverse crew of people who I can talk to. I feel like it keeps me honest. I feel like it keeps me sharp. Um, you know, you, you can't grow if you're not, you know, just like you have to, um, go through adversity to grow in anything in life, whether that's uh, trying to uh, learn something, whether it's trying to grow your body and grow stronger, um, you know, or, and I think that applies to spiritual matters too. You know, it's kind of like that old saying, if you ask God to, you know, you pray for patience, God will give you like, you know, a five hour wait at the DMV to, to, to <laughs> help teach you how to be patient. It's like, be careful what you wish for, but it's it's like, you don't grow by, you know, being in some kind of um, like hypo uh, alert, like what's the one I'm looking for? Like, like sterile environment. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you know, you have to be willing to 
be in, in environments where you're not always going to be a hundred percent comfortable, but you have to, you know, I guess learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Although that's a bit of an oxymoron. Be in the world and not of the world. Right. I mean, it's just, we kind of accept that sin is part of the business here. Nobody's even trying to be sinless. That's not really the goal. We have a sacrifice for that. The goal is to be here and in the world because like, yeah, we're all going to make mistakes. We want to, of course, try to be sinless, but it's easy to be sinless if you like lock yourself in a room and never leave and then starve to death. That's a terrible result, right? If your goal is to just like say like, I'm never going to make a mistake, right? So we all make mistakes. We make millions of mistakes. I mean, the most talkative people make lots of mistakes. My value is in people who can admit those mistakes and just be like, yeah, I mean, I talk a lot. Therefore, I make a lot of mistakes versus people who don't say anything and make no mistakes. I would much prefer to be in the prior group, but that just means all I got to do is practice apologizing, except when things didn't go right, you know, accept accountability for what I can without selling out my morals or values or principles, you know, and just say like, you know, I, I, I can apologize for a lot without selling myself down a river basically. And it's, yeah, it, it's fine. I mean, I understand why things are a big deal to people. Everything's a big deal to somebody. You know, this is one of my big reasons for being an anarchist and really falling hard into the philosophy when I started into it was because everything hurts somebody. And we can say, that's not that big a deal. I don't care if it's one person like starving to death in a room. I don't want that to happen. I don't want hate to happen. I don't want violence to happen. And so for me, it's like, yeah, I get that everything hurts somebody. So I get why a lot of people find like these disagreements and why they seem small but they're not because to them it hurts somebody, right? And I get that. We're like all representing a lot of hurt people out there. We all got a lot of heart, you know? We have a, a heart and we sometimes think a lot of people don't see it our way. And we need to kind of buck up and just say like, listen, I understand that everything hurts somebody, but if I was not friends with anybody who made a mistake, I would just be friendless, you know? And You're going to have disagreements. And like I'm saying, serious disagreements. I get it. I'm not asking you to say your disagreements aren't serious. But if you allow these disagreements to affect friendships, you're just plain not going to have any friends. Just flat out. Or you're going to have a cult and an echo chamber like you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, the the infamous cult saga. That was was a fun one. Uh, (laughs) But there was, you know, although I, you know, know, the point you were trying to make back then certainly was true. I think some of us just felt like that wasn't the right term. But I think, you know, we, we all have to be, you know, be on guard, you know what I mean, to to not fall into groupthink. It's really easy to fall into. It doesn't matter if it's politics, religion, um, anything, you know what I mean? And I, I think something you and I, you know, we, we, we both have a, although you much, yours is much more extensive than mine, but we both have a background in speech and debate. And I think uh, anyone who has that, I think, you know, it, you have to, you know, be intellectually rigorous in trying to, you know, uh, make arguments from positions that you don't hold, which teaches you to have a sort of like mental flexibility um, in terms of being able to consider multiple points of view and at least consider that you might be wrong. And also to, to at least like know to make my arguments as strong as they can be, I need to understand opposing points of view. And you can do that somewhat through research, but sometimes you know, knowing people who have different points of view gives you a great way to, ha- uh, you know, get get more of an understanding of uh, 
you know, things that you don't necessarily agree with. And, you know, uh, I, I'm definitely a lot like you. It's like I, I, I say a lot of things and, you know, some of them are great. Some of them are misses and I try to own the misses. And at the end of the day, I would rather be Brett Favre than Alex Smith. You know what I mean? It's like I, I remember Alex Smith had like this one year where he had like like an incredibly low interception rate you know pretty average quarterback rate you know what i mean and like the you know statistically it's like oh wow the efficiency it's like yeah but how many championships does alex smith have you know what i mean it's like uh, i would rather be brett Favre and have you know as many almost as many blunders as amazing plays possible but you know what it's like i'd, I'd rather die trying than play it safe sometimes because i don't i don't want to live in fear of saying the wrong thing to the extent that it would cause me to not try to, you know what I mean? Like it's better to be trying, I think, than to be holding back, or at least that's, that's how I approach it. I think it's a fantastic analogy because there are times when you just say, look at so-and-so's efficiency, so-and-so's touchdown rating. Um, I like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, MVP for the last two years, but he gets the playoffs and it's like, well, he didn't throw any picks. And it's like, he also didn't throw any balls that were over four yards away from the line of scrimmage. <laughs> like they were losing and they just kept like, it was like a slow bleed, just like, Oh, there's another completion for two yards and another one for three and another one for three. And here comes the punt unit. And you're like, all right, let's, it's time to start time to start doing something. Let's start making some plans. Like you say, like sling it out. Let's, let's go for the big plays. You know, we got a lot of, we got a lot at stake. And I think is like you said, as long as you have ownership of the mistakes that you make, um, it's really that that's kind of the beauty of this world is not that it is perfect, but that it is a cycle of perfection of, of learning from these things and learning to become like Christ, you know, learning to become better. And we don't, we just flat out don't do that without the broken process, you know, of Christ talking about reshattering at us and building us up again and shattering us and building up again, like mm, with the clay, yeah. you know, re-wet us down. And now it's like, sometimes we just need a good wet down. I, I have had a few of them in the last year where I'm just like, I am not making a difference fighting with who I'm fighting with or doing what I'm doing or whatever it is. Like I, I might be getting a few more followers that already liked me before, but that's, that's nothing, you know, it's, it's really not, it's inconsequential. You know, I want to be somebody who's making a difference in people's lives. And, you know, I, I think you just kind of learn, you, you slowly grow, you know, and all these are things, of course, we wish we learned them when we're 18. And I mean, as anarchists, Jacob, I'm sure we see a lot of things where we're, it seems so obvious to us now. Well, I didn't figure it out until I was like 36. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's a lot of very intelligent, highly gifted people that are just further behind on the path. And by being, by making fun of them for being further down on the path, you make them look like they're higher on the path, first of all, because they have the high road over you all of a sudden. And then secondly, it doesn't bring them up to where you are. You know, this is a yeah. matter of assistance. We, we really are trying to bring people in um, instead of drive people off. Yeah, 100% agree. So we could spend the next hour just agreeing with each other, but that's not what we advertised here. Boring. We advertised a, yeah, you know, a, a MMA showdown <laughs> between <laughs> two, two Christian anarchists because... Uh, Surprisingly, you can be that much of a niche and still have lots of disagreements. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, the ground floor is we'll probably end up being friends afterwards. But now, yes, yes. But yeah, yeah. now I'm gonna unleash some expletives. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I I don't have a particular order I want to go through these on, and I want to keep it 
you know, lively and interactive, but, you know, this is obviously isn't a formal debate. And I'm much more interested in just having genuine interactions of ideas than I am in trying to win a point or trying to, you know, to dominate. Uh, you know, and, and like, oh, I, I won because I got all these different points out. Like, that's that's not the point of this discussion, uh, at least in, in the way I'm trying to approach it. Um, but I think a foundational issue, which we should probably begin with, because I, th- I think, you know, as, as Christians, this is going to be perhaps the thing where, because we disagree on this one, it's going to cause probably some of the disagreements we have on some of the other issues, is the matter of, how we view the Bible. Um, And I guess there's, you know, broadly speaking, there's probably more than one way to look at the Bible. But I think if we were going to narrow it down into like two basic categories, as far as like general uh, uh, Christology, it would be that there are some people who view the Bible as like the inerrant Holy Spired word of God, that from beginning to end, there's nothing there that shouldn't be there and to take anything away from it would be wrong and uh and more specifically that there's nothing in the scripture that would contradict other parts of the scripture that it's one cohesive unit and anything that might on the surface seem like there's a contradiction um you know would just require further reading and 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 a proper uh, you know hermeneutic to an interpretation going back to either the Hebrew or the Greek or whatever to 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 understand that that'd be kind of more where I'm coming from. Um, of course, the devil's in the details because I I do recognize that like there are things that God changed in the new covenant versus the old covenant. I wouldn't classify them as like that's a you know God contradicting himself in terms of he's in conflict with himself. It's just that like there's an evolution of ideas and revelation there. Um, so then there's like maybe on the other extreme and there's probably like varying degrees of, you know, positions between these two extremes. But the other extreme would be like, uh, I see a lot in the Christian anarchist camp who say that, you know, the Bible, you know, is written by man and thus it's flawed. And, you know, especially like the anarchist perspective would be like, you know, th- there were systems of authority who, you know, were in charge of making these, uh, assembling these books and and interpreting them. And we can't know to what extent the human element in all these different, uh, you know, personal subjective writing pen to paper or ink to paper. And then, you know, people copying the manuscripts over time, you know, what has been changed, what has been left out, you know, there are, you know, legitimate, you can go back and study the history of the scriptures and see where, you know, there actually have been attempts by people for whether it's political or religious reasons. And they actually do sometimes like, you know, very sneakily edit things and, and, and change words to different words. And, and so, you know, that, that definitely happens. And so you have to give the devil what to do there. Um, But I guess there are some people who take, who, because of these facts would take the opinion that the Bible has probably within it things that are, God inspired, but that we have to read the Bible with sort of a critical lens and sift through what elements of it are inspired and from God and what elements are, you know, the the author putting his opinion and his uh, cultural or, you know, personal worldview into the text and, you know, rescue the baby from the bathwater. So I don't know exactly where your position is, and I don't want to argue against a straw man. So I don't know if you're on one extreme or another extreme or somewhere in the middle. I will let you 
a explain what your position is and then b you know if it takes if you want to take aim at uh my position which is more of a traditional uh you know inerrancy of the bible position uh we can take off from there sure so i mean first off as far as the bible never having errors you've already explained there have been iterations there have been changes i'm from utah we had kind of a famous one out here uh that created a bit of a controversy because when parts of isaiah were translated into the book of mormon um there's a there's a plural of seraphims with an s but seraphim is already plural right? That's I am suffix is already plural. And so it was one of very few KJV oopsie daisies, right? That, that just got printed, not in every King James version, but on some printing press, right? It's like if I went out and added a comma and then somebody photocopied it and gave it to their kids and it's like, oh gosh. And it act, that same error made its way into the Book of Mormon, right? Like, and so people are like, well, did you just copy Isaiah then is what a critic would say. The def- I could get into the defense all day of it, but the idea is that we know of errors that have made their way into the, uh, the the scriptures before. Now, is when it comes to stuff like that, you're like, well, it's just like a spelling error. It's like a you know a grammatical error. It's a comma. It's a mistake. You know, whatever. You know, and and so that is that is certainly true. But then we look at other things. So probably the easiest way to point this out, and I'll, I'll give you a few examples just to really shoot this argument to hell that there's no, you know, contradictions in the Bible, but just look at the Easter story at the end of every gospel. It is substantially different. You know, who was it? Who was at the the tomb first In what order it happened and what order they told the apostles. Um, So that's all different. Uh, There are 613, 618 commandments in the old Testament. Uh, Like 13 of them pertain to what to do with thieves and all of them are different. Right. So like the Bible in like literally back to back chapters will be like in one verse, if it's a thief, chop their hands off. And then if it's a thief, you know, help help them back on their feet. And oh, if it's a thief, you know, like <laughs> like find them, you know, find them whatever they stole or take it back and then have them do servitude for seven years. And so we get, you know, we get multiple verses where it's like, here's just something different. Which one was God inspired? They're all in Leviticus. You know what I mean? Like which which one, you know, is is the one. Uh, perhaps my favorite example, because it's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible uh, or passages in the Bible is the ox in the mire, you know, where, where they try to trick Christ into healing on the Sabbath. Um, and this is going to be a core portion of my point, but even the verse itself has an error in it in the different gospels, because the story exists in three gospels. Um, and in one, Christ says, would you, re- would you not rescue your ox from a pit? And the other, he says, would you not rescue your child from a pit? And the other is like, would you not rescue your sheep from a pit? And then it also gets changed around as we start hopping around languages and everything like that. So with everything I'm saying, you might be like, well, Hody just doesn't believe in the Bible anymore. I guess he's just giving it up. Well, I actually think exactly the opposite of this, because one of the remarkable things we have with Christianity is a lot of archaeology and a lot of like, and we don't have any originals, right? Like, and I get what the term original means. I get we don't have any of that. But we do have very remarkable manuscripts, and we do have ways of tracing how they got changed. A lot of people will kind of go Da Vinci Code with it and be like, the Catholics changed every book in the Bible at once. They never had control of the entire Bible. 
I mean, it went to India, like, you know, and, and it went to places that were outside of Roman Catholic control. And so there were, you know, there are scriptures that survived there that weren't subject when somebody was like, let's do this, let's do this. And so we actually have archaeological comparisons where we can say like, hey, here's exactly where you change it. I read from the interlinear Bible for this very reason. And the interlinear linear Bible changes most of the time, at least annually, because we find something new. We find a new verse. You know, we find a new meaning to certain words. There's a lot of words that were slang. They use slang from the time period. You know, and we just kind of like, I don't know. In one case, like the term raka, the, even the original KJV interpreters had no idea what it meant. So they just left the word raka in there. Like oh, yeah, there, are, there are some words in the Greek or Hebrew that there's no English word to translate it to. You also right. have the issues of like some words had multiple meanings depending upon, you sure. know, whether they be, you know, like in Greek, you have the male and the female. And then yep. it, how, with the Greek, the grammar is just completely backwards of what English grammar is. So it's like yeah. it, it, there's there's so many layers to uh, interpret interpreting old manuscripts that even if even if you could say we had the original or close to the original manuscripts and those are infallible. It's like, well, yeah. we definitely have to at least, I would at least concede that our ability to interpret and our ability to translate is certainly uh, fallible. And, and that's something that nice. needs to be held up to scrutiny. Yeah. So that's like, and that's where I'm going with this too. Cause there's so, so we actually can, can do our due diligence, right. And just find out the most accurate thing that we can. Yeah. Now, will I say maybe it's not perfect because there's a certain certain phrases like I didn't realize this till I was, you know, taking theology, but like terms like 40 days or 40 nights just means a long time. Right. Like it's not actually measuring 40 exact days and 40 exact nights. And people are like, well, that's a dumb saying. It's like well, we have sayings in English, like give me two shakes of a lamb's tail. Yeah. Well, what like the is ways that? Of, yeah. <laughs> well, there's like the, the ways of counting things, like when people, like with the uh, the Easter story and the the three days and three nights, and people get confused. Like, but wait, wouldn't that mean it's like, well, no, it's just it, it, again, it's like it's, it's just a different way. Uh, I'm like, I think if like Obi Wan Kenobi, like from a certain point of view, you know what I mean? This is like <laughs> <laughs> little devil's advocate, a little yeah. bit, you know. But like, I, and it matters because like the thing is, is we want to be able if we're putting our eternal faith in something, we want to know that it's at least somewhat accurate or somewhat true. So yeah. my my point, and then I I would further complete my point on my view on this subject by like the term bow down and worship me when satan says it is in the bible now should you bow down and worship satan well that's not why the verse is present in the bible sure right? yeah. so a lot of people accuse my point of view because i i will totally confess to throwing out a lot of leviticus um i guess i'll probably conclude my point with that but so get, I, I guess give me a minute on that and then i'll give you a long minute to, to kind of respond but like like the thing is, is, I don't think we throw out Leviticus. I think the purposes of Leviticus is for us to kind of be like, here's what you get when you try to follow the law. Okay. And then here's yeah. what you get when you try to have faith, right? Like, right. so there's a lot of stuff in Leviticus where even, and people will just say like, well, Jesus threw it out. No, it gets thrown out in the Old Testament. Like there's stuff about executing prisoners that they pray about it with God. And God's like, I'm sorry, why are you killing everyone in Jericho again? And they're like, well, cause that's like the command. He's like, Okay, yeah, obviously, if there's like cool allies there, please don't kill them. Get them out, get their families out, like rescue. Right. I, like well, there's, there's, also, like, there's also, yeah, there's parts where he says, go and kill all the Canaanites. And then he's like, wait, no, don't kill these Canaanites. Right. Try, 
just 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 leave them alone trade with them like <laughs> exactly so so the big one here and this is where the ox and the mire thing comes up and this will be my last point um is that the the pharisees are aware that it is against levitical law to do any work on the sabbath right like to go they uh it technically <laughs> you're not even supposed to leave your house now they did adopt a cultural but it didn't make its way into the Bible. In fact, it's in Leviticus that you're not supposed to leave your house on the Sabbath. Um, they did develop a cultural practice where they said you can take like the number of steps it takes to get to the like the Sabbath building, you know, whatever the Sabbath bu building may be, whether it's like the tabernacle, temple, synagogue, whatever it may be. You go there, you go back to your home. That's yeah. the number of steps you're allowed in the day, right? And they were pretty good about counting these things, right? And so these people put a leper, or not a leper, but somebody with a, uh, a gimp hand on the side of a temple, right? And so they know that Jesus has to go slightly out of his way to heal this person, right? He has to mess up his number of steps. And the Pharisees are there. They set this whole thing up because they know it's against the law. It is against Levitical law. And Jesus, you know, is like, hey, if one of you guys like had your had like an ox stuck in the mire and it was drowning, would you let it drown? because that's what the law says, or would you save it? And they all are quiet because they'd save it. My theory is not because the, the they are good people and they're admitting the truth. The thing is pulling an ox out of a pit takes more than one person. My guess is they can't lie about it because the people at the temple would be like, uh, that's not true. I helped him with his ox get, get an ox out of the mire, right? So the point is they broke it too. And then yeah. Jesus heals the person after the Pharisees kind of tacitly admit, yeah, we we would heal it right we would we would get the ox out of the mire we would break the law we know it's the law we would break it so my a lot of people are like well so what none of the law matters now none of it matters well the reason christ gives for that is because this is the purpose of the law good fruit comes from good trees bad fruit comes from bad trees if i let my ox die because i followed this stupid law then the result is a dead scared ox and so therefore the tree is bad now that may sound like the whole law like everything is bad no <laughs> look adultery is still bad okay like i'm not over here like i'm not going to be like just do what you want to do guys like i get that <laughs> accusation a lot when it's like this because it's like the way you interpret the bible it's like whatever goes man no the truth is the completion of the law is the completion of goodness right we can tell by the fruits of it you know, so if we do the right thing, we will bear good fruit from it. If we do the wrong thing, we will bear bad fruit from it. So you can act, you actually have a very practical way of measuring these things. It's a great practical way, I think, of testing to bring this conversation full circle, biblical inerrancy. If you say the Bible is correct, okay, we'll test it out, right? Try it out. If you think that mixing fabrics, which was never overturned within the scriptures, is still very wrong a wrong bad thing to do and you try to cut out all mixed fabric clothes in your lives and you experience goodness then i guess it's still the right thing to do right why did kosher law get tossed out because it prevented peter from witnessing the people witnessing to the people mattered the kosher law didn't matter right like the first time the people like tell like ask god about kosher law god's like i don't even know what you're talking about this is god if you're like worried, like, well, maybe they didn't know how to cook pork. God can teach you how to cook pork. God killed two creatures and clothed them on Adam and Eve. He's very familiar with butchery and like cooking meat and making clothes. 
right? Like he gets the process. So this whole thing is like, what was the point of it? And I'm not saying that there never was a point. My rationale between behind why there was so many different punishments for thievery is because you'll get a thief who came in and was just like, screw it. I want to take more. I don't care if it's your stuff. It should belong to me. I have, I have a lot of stuff already, but I want your stuff. Well, yeah, cut that guy's hands off. I hate that guy. That guy sucks, right? So then you get a verse that says that guy sucks. One chapter later, you get a guy who's starving to death who stole some stuff. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't his, but man, I feel for him. He was hungry. He was scared. He doesn't have a malicious heart. I think he deserves a second chance. And so you get the Levites being like, well, we're approaching God. And all of a sudden, we're kind of getting a different result here. Well, the reason being, and this is kind of the point of having the Holy Spirit in conscience, is that we kind of figure these things out, right? By what the the fruits of it are. We actually have a very practical way of testing it out. There you go. That's my thing on biblical inerrancy. Kind of, but not mostly not really, I guess. (laughs) I think so. So there's a lot there where I agree with you in terms of like the the practicality and in application. And, 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 And so some of this comes down to semantics, right? And so I suppose the way I view, I view biblical inerrancy is not like literally line by line, you can just like read the line and take that as, you know, take it out of context and this is 100% true and, and follow it and don't like you have to read the, the Bible like like any other long, comprehensive, complicated narrative and, you know, read it from beginning to end. So that you can understand, like you have to understand the end, especially Jesus, you know, impacts the beginning, impacts how we read and understand the beginning. Um, I mean, imagine reading, I'm, I'm not saying that at the time before Jesus, people couldn't read the Abraham and Isaac story and get nothing out of it. But imagine like the degree to which they were lacking the full context of that passage without knowing what was going to, ha- you know, what's going to happen with Jesus on Calvary. Like when you know the gospel story, then you go back and read the story of Abraham and Isaac. You're like, oh, wow. Like, you know, th- there's a whole new way of reading this now. So uh, when, when I'm talking about, and, and sometimes I wonder if maybe inerrancy is not a great word. It's just, again, I struggle for a, a, a better word. But what I'm talking about is more of the idea that all of the Bible is from God. And I don't think God, in his mission to communicate what he wanted to communicate to us, has given us uh, teachings that contradict in the sense of that, like, uh, trying to figure out how to phrase this. There are definitely things that have changed, right? And, and, And so I'm not trying to ignore that. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the phrase you're looking God, for is Hody, you're right. Is, yeah. Is it, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let, let, let me put it this way. So I think God used a lot of the Old Testament law and put that out there. And he put it out there and I think he he meant it, but he meant it in a way of a, like you you know, you're unwilling and you're not ready yet to have that veil torn. Like you're not willing to come up onto the mountain with me. You know, like, you know, we we, we rescued the um, the Hebrews from Egypt, but the Egypt was still inside of them and their hearts were still hard and rebellious. I mean, you know, Moses goes up on a mountain for a couple of days and there's a golden calf, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, which always blow, always blew my mind. Right. It's like, imagine you, you saw all the plagues, 
you, you saw the pillar of fire. You saw the, the, the Red Sea split. Pharaoh's army get consumed by it, you know. And then it's like Moses is gone for a few days. They're like, yeah, screw this God guy. He doesn't care about us. Let's erect a golden calf. It's like, what? <laughs> like it's like it's like where does the but it's just this is the the people that moses and god were dealing with um and i, I think uh, to put it this way it's kind of like the expression like um you know you give milk before bread and bread before meat and i think to some extent god you know in in the sort of analysis of god the father and that we are his children well you know, humanity is this child that God's trying to raise. And there are times in that developmental history, which is described to us in the Bible, where God is like, okay, you need to learn the lesson about legalism. So we're going to try legalism. See how well that works. It doesn't. Just Have like, yourself a king, guys. Yeah, you yeah, that's the other like thing. It, it, you know, because <laughs> that, you know, First Samuel 8, because you know, after the book, the book of Judges, you know, people are like, we're tired of personal responsibility and governing ourselves. Give us a king who will fight all of our battles and just solve everything for us so we can sit back and just, you know, not, not have to worry about anything and do anything ourselves. And God's like, yeah, it's going to be a real bad time. I'm going to warn you. You still want it? Okay. You know, then we have, you know, however many years of, you know, hundreds of years of, of, of kings and stuff, and Israel's taken over, over and over again, and then eventually they're completely exiled, and it's like, so that doesn't mean that, you know, like, God definitely said, yes, we're gonna have a king, it's gonna be Solomon, and then, yes, we're gonna have a second king, it's gonna be David, and like, those things came from God. Does that mean we establish that what God decrees as morally normative is monarchy? Well, no. It's, it's just that I think people want to read the Bible as if it's some kind of like line by line. Here are all the good things. Here are all the bad things. Go live a good life. And it's that is not the Bible. The Bible is a narrative and you have to read it like that. This is where I think, you know, although Jordan Peterson isn't your stereotypical, you know, evangelical Christian, I think the way that he pushes a more you know, reading the Bible as a narrative and understanding a lot of the psychological elements at play here is is an important perspective that a lot of Christians don't bring. They don't bring that nuance to it. They 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 go back and read the 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 conquest of Canaan and they read the Levitical law as if it is the line by line. This is what God decrees is you know morally good and morally bad. Of course, ignoring the ninety nine percent of the things in Leviticus that they break all the time to put the focus in on the couple that they really want to, you know, focus on because <laughs> of, of, of reasons. But um, I don't think that's the right way to do it, but I don't think that because that's the wrong way to do it, that means, which is kind of what you said, you kind of said this yourself. You're like, well, I don't throw Leviticus out. It's an important part of, you know, the Bible and reading it and understanding that that didn't work. I, I, I pretty much agree with that. It's just when I agree with it, I frame that in the in the lens of we need to re- read Leviticus and we need to treat Leviticus as God's word. But what I mean by God's word here isn't God is saying, you know, everything in Leviticus was, you know, the best that, you know, the, the, the law described in Leviticus, every single line is the best that human uh, governance could ever achieve. And it's definitely God's... Uh, you know, end goal. You know what I mean? Like, no, this was kind of like God is 
basically taking a people who were going to do a lot of these things anyway. And so there's two angles. In some ways, God, there were things in the Levitical law that were restraining the evil of of the people, like, you know, saying, hey, you know what? Some people, like the edgy atheists, will throw out, hey, you know, the Old Testament says that you can stone your kids. It's like, yeah, there is stuff in there about stoning your kids. But you know what? Before the Levitical law, if parents wanted to stone their kids, they just go stone their kids and you know, everyone would just be like, okay, <laughs> like you stoned your kids. They were your kids. You had the right to do that. What the Levitical law, what the, what the Old Testament law brought to the table was, hey, you you actually don't just get to go stone your kids. You have to go before the entire community and accuse them of, you know, of this crime that, and, and you know, <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it creates still a process. Still don't kids, guys. Please what? still don't. Still don't oh, yeah, please don't. Kids, yeah, no. Please. But the point is, it, and, and so there, there's also the laws about slavery, which are very similar, which is like God could have just said, don't keep slaves, and they would have still kept slaves. So God, was, so God was. Here's the kicker. When you ask God, he tells you not to. Like, that's the thing is the Levitical interpretation of whatever God was do, was God was thinking. Every time they approach God about it, God's like, What? Like that is a dumb rule, you know, and like there's certain rules that make sense because they are based on something. And then there's certain rules where you're just like, hmm, eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Yeah, well, eye for an eye is in the book. Like, <laughs> but that was almost like, you know, eye for an eye was. So there's another, that's another angle where like people used to want to go above and beyond what could be. So like you stole a dollar from me, what burn your house down. <laughs> so i think you know so eye for right. an eye now listen is that is that like the highest pinnacle of god's moral decree and what what human interaction could be no but was it a step in the right direction compared to what preceded it yes so, so he, here i guess would be then my question to you then because i think we may be on a approaching a similar kind of plane here at what point then do you say that these old verses that people point to as an excuse for their actions, even though their actions are yielding bad things. Do you say, well, I'm not going to do that. I don't care if it's, it may be written in the Bible, but I'm going to do what yields good fruit. Right. Well, I, I think what, what I would say is, and, and I would need specifics to know for sure, but I, m my experience is that when people point to something in the Bible, usually old Testament, sometimes new, and they go, this is, you know, whatever, barbaric nonsense. This is, uh, you know, against the character of Christ. This is whatever they say, you know, you don't do this. This is in the Bible and, and explain that apparent contradiction. My experience is usually that when I dig deep into that, I find there, there's a few different things happening. Sometimes it's, and I, I, I won't say all the time and I, I wouldn't expect this from you, but sometimes it's just people like get things wrong. They take things out of context and you read the context and go a little bit different. Right. Uh, sometimes it's okay. Like I said before, this is bad, but this was God sovereignly working humankind and, and starting with Israel and trying to push them in the right direction in terms of moral growth. And so comparing that to what came before it, it was a step in the right direction. Is this what God declared as morally normative for all time? Well, no. And I think we can look later in the Bible, like you said, and see times where God actually starts to push them even further to go. And, you know, especially the Sermon on the Mount is like the, the pinnacle of this where, you know, you know, Jesus is the best reflection of God that we have. 
of, of the character of God, of, of, of the heart of God. And, you know, Jesus was like, guys, like the law was not there to tell you how to be righteous. It was just there to try to keep you from being complete barbarians. <laughs> like, you know, you gotta, you gotta step it up. You can't just be looking to how evil can I be all the time? You gotta start trying to be as good as you can be and as righteous as you can be. Um, but that doesn't mean that the law that were there didn't have a good godly intention and that either those things were just not from God or that like God got it wrong and contradicted himself later. It's like, no, it's just like, you know, like I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's times uh, when you're parenting your, your child where like you tell them a way of doing things when they're four years old. And then when they're 16 years old, you're probably not still talking to them and instructing them or advising them in the way you did when they were four. Like you have to meet your child where they're at in their developmental path and push them to the next part in that developmental path. So that doesn't know what I would object to is if people go back to, you know, uh, stone age morality that God was using to take people from that time and develop them down the road, I would go, listen, back then, I think God got it right in terms of what was needed to progress the narrative towards towards salvation, towards Christ, towards the redemption of mankind. Is that what we need now? Well, no. Like we're so far removed from that. That 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 served its place. We're supposed to learn from that lesson, but we're not supposed to, you know, travel back in time and apply the standards that God gave Old Testament Israel at the, at those points in in history and apply it to us today. That to me is a a wrong use of scripture. But I don't think it just changes for just general humanity, although I would agree with you that peoples and societies are certainly if you're gonna make general rules as and this is the issue with law in general, right? If you make rules, they have to blanket everything and it will get it wrong. A lot of people when they read the Old Testament for the first time are really shocked to find that God did not want to give out the Ten Commandments. He did not want to lead by a pillar of fire and smoke. Like he ha he is very resentful from having to give manna. He's like, I really want to craft you guys into people that do these things for he, your own. He wanted them to right? come up on the mountain with Moses, and they said, no, you you go, Moses. We're going to stay back here. <laughs> right, we're, we're going to hang here. But, so the thing is, is like, it, there is some stuff that's just like that people like society in general changes, right? I'm not, I'm not ignorant to the generalizations of the times that we're in. That being said, I think if you kill somebody for committing adultery and that's wrong, that remains wrong, right? Like I think if you kill, you know, it, it, there are certain things that you do if you, you know, kill and uh, let's see, uh, have sex with an animal, right? That, that remains wrong, regardless of if it says this is right, this is wrong, or this is okay, this is not okay. So even if Christ, even if the the Bible at some point says, and Levitical law somehow says, yeah, you know, you should really execute all the prisoners, including their little babies, including like, I mean, let's, let's throw capitalism here real quick, including burning all their food and all their, make their land unusable. And like, it's Which, like, by the uh, way, they never, they never, and it, it, it's important to note out, they never actually followed through 100%. 
on the... They didn't, and it caused Samuel to get so PO'd that he never talked to Saul again because of it. And he was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get David because I think this guy actually will kill all the other guys. And it's like, I I think Samuel, even himself, he says he speaks for God. I have no doubt that Samuel is even a prophet. We get a lot of biblical scriptures from him. But then again, um, Jonah was a prophet, and he was a very flawed individual wanting to evade the will of God at some point, you know? So like, these are all, these are all things that we have to do. Now, I do think that there is, I still quote the scriptures all the time and I want people thinking I get away from it because I think there's a lot of rationale behind these things and things that are important to understand. And I think things that we today, I think using Christ's proof of saying, if the fruit is good, then the tree is good, right? If the fruit is bad, then the tree is bad you know, to plant these seeds and just be like, we can kind of tell, you know, if this is good or bad. If I just go out and start killing adulterous women, how will that do for me? Right? Like, fruit, will that be good I, fruits or bad here's fruits? Here's the thing. I think the fruit of the Levitical law was good insofar as the fruit is God used the Old Testament, like all of it, the, the, the law of the Exodus, Leviticus, um, all of it, God used to demonstrate that the law can't save you. Like, so that is a good fruit. Like the law pointed to our need for a savior because not only could the law not save us, but the law wasn't even, as Jesus showed later, this isn't even close to you living righteously. God just asked you, please be a little bit less evil. You guys couldn't even hit that mark. (laughs) And so the, the, like, you know, I'm not saying that like go and kill all the people, including the women and the children, that that is like morally good. But like, that's what people a lot of times did back in those days when they were doing, you know, when they were conquering and they were warring. And, you know, again, some of this is God sovereignly, you know, putting laws in place that are kind of like meeting the people where they're at, where there's like, you know, like, listen, like if God would have given a more 21st century flavored uh, structure of laws and morality for them to follow, I mean, heck, they couldn't even follow the, like, you know, Stone Age level of... Right. So it's like, to me, it's like, you know, to to what extent are we saying that this is God's word? Are we saying it is God's word that you should go, when you go to, that you should go to war against other nations, and that when you go to war with them, that it's sometimes good, or like, or that, it, it, that you should think it's good to go and kill all of them, including the women and children. It's like, no, I, 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 not only do I think if you go to war with somebody, it's bad to kill all of the civilians, including the women and children. I'm anti-war. I don't think you should go to war, period. Right. But I think we get there eventually with Christ. It's just that God has to like, you know, he has to tell the story. If he starts with the conclusion before he even gets, you know, you got to tell the beginning, the middle and the end. And God has to set these things up and you can't give, you know, it's kind of like if you watched, like imagine no one, someone had never watched Star Wars before, and then you just show them the end scene with Darth Vader throwing Emperor Palpatine down the shaft in the Death Star. Like people would just be like, okay, like this guy killed that guy who was hurting that guy. No context. No, like, like it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. You have to watch New Hope and Empire to actually receive the payoff of the conclusion of Return of the Jedi. And you need all of the Old Testament to really understand and uh, and receive the impact of what was concluded on Calvary, I think. And so insofar as I think that's true, I take the 
the entire Bible as the inerrant word of God. I just think where where we're, I think we're getting where we're where we're not meshing up is that it's a bit on okay on the whole narrative front we probably agree but then you want to go okay but line by line what do you do with these really like awful you know statements and and laws of which the fruit would be bad and i think your intuition is to say well they're just not god's word and my intuition is to say they're God's word and they like we, we just have to understand the context that they were given and how they were they were given in the context of that de- developmental history and they don't apply to us today they only applied insofar as I did apply they applied for a limited time back then to those people and I don't think that you can even say that God when he prescribed those you know that that you can say that God was saying these things are good it was more like God was like you know I mean like you know think about you know, and, and this might be a good place, you know, because we could go on this for like two more hours probably, but this might be a good place to transition to the parenting conversation because there's a lot of parallels here because it's yeah. like even, you know, because I think, you know, we both believe in peaceful parenting. I think we, you know, are, are a little bit different around the edges, but like even the most radical people I've talked to in the peaceful parenting realm, like I had a conversation with with Rachel Blackfire last year and like we all agreed, like, listen, when the when, when you're when you have a baby right like there are some things that you just gotta you kind of have to do because it's like i know that if my child was like 20 and looking back they'd be like yeah i wanted you to change my diaper not just let me sit in a in a in a diaper filled with pee and poop all day you know but but like you could you you could imagine someone if they were being like like just going really hardcore being like listen you can't do anything without your child's consent and the baby's crying they're not consenting to having the diaper changed you know what i mean it's like it's like you know there's some points where you go you have to do some things that are acceptable while your child is in that you know infantile state that they're only acceptable when they're in that infantile state i can't then go to like my 16 year old son and be like you know, hey, you're not taking care of yourself. And because you're not taking care of yourself, I'm now going to force you to do things to take care of yourself. It's wrong to do that to a 16-year-old, but it's kind of like it would be wrong not to do that to a baby. So and so in the same way that I think uh, th- that thing's true for our own kids, I think that's how God dealt with us, like mankind throughout history. There's things he did when we were in our infantile state that like, that's what he had to do to move the development along it, but, but they were limited to that time they don't they're, they're not things that apply to us or if they do they apply on a scale you know what i mean like um so i don't know i, I guess react to that and then yeah. um we can move on to the next topic i got you i mean to cap off the last conversation i know you're saying it's my intuition that it's kind of gets tossed out a little it's actually god's intuition they approach him about hey, do we kill this prisoner? And he's like, no, where'd you get that from? And it's like, oh, well, I just thought you literally just said it like a minute ago, right? And it's like, well, okay, what do I do with this thief? Oh, it's different today. Like I woke up and it's different. Well, like, and I I get your point because I think generally we do agree there is like a narrative structure here. Like I, I think that especially the one reason he's okay with actually delivering the 10 commandments is because it is a pretty solid minimum. There's a lot of do nots, right? Kind of like negative, you know, which is a great libertarian thing, right? Like I I can't command you to do all good because good 
is a million different things like for everybody. I can just try to get you to not step on a landmine, right? Like how do I get from here to here? Well, everybody's at a different point on the base of the mountain, but I can tell you there's landmines here, here, and here. Now, not all of them are negative, obviously. Love God, you know, those are those are po positives and everything like that, but those are going to look different. I think even the positive ones like honor your father and mother, well, honoring your parents can look very different to different people, you know, and those are intentionally vague. You know, we are told the Lord rejoices in simplicity, you know, and I, I think it's good because we have these vague things to kind of say, I don't know what all good is because I, I can't, if we wrote the Bible so that encompassed every person's life, we would never be able to finish it. You know, at some point it comes down to the Holy Spirit inside of us, you know, and, our, and what we're able to do with that. To carry this over to the parenting conversation, I think it's fantastic because once again, I think the same rule applies. Your fruits will kind of show you if the tree is all right, you know, and, and this is kind of a situation, you know, Thoreau never had kids. And one of the reasons that I find fascinating about Thoreau is he was such a non-violent, like peace-loving advocate that he had a hard time even considering like, well, is cutting the umbilical cord violence? Like right. where does the kid end the thing begins? Well, I think there's kind of a beauty to like kind of not knowing where the, the parent ends and where the child begins at the beginning, right? Like, and, and of course it creates a serious issue when we debate topics like abortion and whatnot. But, you know, as far as like philosophically, it's actually a very beautiful thing to say that like no life just comes in on its own and is beamed in from outer space. You know, it's all connected to the lives before it. And so I do think that there's there's a beauty there. And I think that we need to respect that by being able to say, listen, I don't know the right or wrong thing about how to raise every kid. You know, the Bible's a little bit light on it outside of like not being a total jerk to him. And I think the reason being is because different kids are different. You know, there are different parenting strategy books. Great. Uh, I'm going to relate this to weight loss a little. What's the best weight loss plan? The one that works for you. There's yeah. a lot that are successful if you can adhere yourself to them. How many, how many kids do you have? I can't remember if you. I have, I have two. Okay. Yeah, because uh, kids, uh, people that have one kid, I, I feel like can't appreciate this. But like, once you have <laughs> at least two or more, yeah. like I think some people go into parenting, and I was kind of this way, where you go like, well, I'm gonna parent my kids in a certain way, and like every, it's just gonna be like, not, I wouldn't say I went in with the naive sense that it was going to be easy, but I kind of went went in with the naive sense that like all the challenges would be pretty much the same, and then it's like, okay, no completely scratch that every child is so different that like what works for one will be completely detrimental to the next one. And not, not only that your child is different, like day to day. One kid's <laughs> doing like reading a picture book at two years old. The next one's pooping in their pants till they're 10. Like, you know, everybody's like above, I think it's funny when they try to like measure kids and see where they're above and behind. And like every kid ever is like, five years above themselves at something and five years behind themselves right like, where they should be at something like it is all over the map and i think that i mean i'm glad you reminds me of D, D character building right <laughs> a little <laughs> bit where you rolled your stats unfortunately back yeah. before the point by days uh the, the this is kind of the issue is that we we attempt to say well let's use this same parenting policy now i do believe in non in peaceful parenting in all cases, right? I don't, it's like, in what situation is it okay to rape your kid? Well, none, right? Like, it's never okay to do violence, <laughs> right? Like, so I understand, yeah. like, some things are going to differ kid to kid. That one's going to be, let's go ahead and put that as a, that's always going to be what it is, right? But 
you're going to have to adapt different tactics. You know, a kid, uh, one style that works for one kid is not going to be the same style that works for the next child. And so I think this is critically important when we talk about in the scriptures, when we analyze and say, well, what is right and wrong? The wrong thing is the, provide, the thing that provides the wrong fruit. Now, look, there's a lot of trial and error in this. You don't know everything, right? You're going to try a couple things and then be like, shoot, that didn't work. If I, I imagine that somebody hearing this right now is probably in the process of like spanking their kids, right? And they're just like, not like as we speak, but like that is how they've chosen not. to that'd raise be, their child, That'd right? be pretty sadistic. Right, you're listening to this. <laughs> they're, they're tortured enough. Don't make them listen to podcasts, please. Uh, <laughs> but like, like, no, you know, no, just spank me. Don't make me watch. Right. And so like the issue there is it's like, listen, you can go and sin no more, right? I, I love that line from Christ mm, with yeah. adulterous women to be like, listen, it's a, I'm not, you only know what you knew, right? You only know what you knew. We've all paid at some point for funding a bomb that blew up a brown kid overseas, yeah. an innocent child. We've all done it. Every single person has done it here. Even before we could pay taxes ourselves, somebody did it in our name, right? It's done. It happened, right? All we can do is say, now I know. What can I do to jump off of the shoulders that are carrying that have carried me to this direction? Right. So, like, I think there's a lot of condemnation, especially for this subject. And people say, well, this happened to me and it worked out okay for me. If you use that Survi line, it was a survivor's like, bias. Right. Survivor's yeah. bias, or just, you know, and, and in some cases to be like, I don't, I, I think it's a knowledge thing. My kid doesn't speak English, you know, and, and when you hear peaceful parenting for the first time, of course, I understand all the objections because I had I had them once myself. I never I was peaceful parent with my kid. I thankfully found it before um, entering into their lives. But, you know, that that there is an issue here where we kind of say, like, well, how do I communicate with a kid that just screams and pees and poops and doesn't know the ABCs? Like, you want me to just sit there and rationalize with it? There's some people that do a really I'll, I'll be Such frank. A false dichotomy when people like when it's like oh you, you're not going to spank your kid. What are you going to do? Sit there and talk it out with them? And it's like you know with a two year old, it's like well no, but like gosh, right? We, Open borders. We, you're going to let spend... them into your bedroom, right? <laughs> it's like, can we just think for five, <laughs> more than five seconds about like you know maybe there's more than two options to this, right? Right. Like maybe I'm not forced into a situation where it's either I hit my child to get them to listen to me or. I have to pretend that they're like some like, you know, 18, 20 year old who with a high school degree who I can sit there and have a rational discussion with. Like, no, there are like, you know, you could probably in a minute, if you really thought about it, at least come up with, you know, 10 or 20 different ideas, you know, alternatives. And like some of them might be bad. But the point is, like, you know, maybe they're a little bit less bad than spanking, which, by the way, I think that's part of the problem here is people. It's kind of like the Nirvana fallacy where people like they want the perfect answer. And it's like, well, you know what? Like sometimes there isn't a perfect answer. You just find the least bad path forward that doesn't involve using force on your child. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or if you or if they're even I think they're and this might be an area where I, I don't know your exact views are like. I mean, I, I'm sure you would probably, okay, like if your child's like walking out in the traffic, people go like, what are you going to do? Just sit there and like, no, like obviously <laughs> rescue your child. Yes. Like <laughs> that, I'm a peace lover. I let them kill themselves. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, um, you know, there, there are, there are appropriate times for like, you know, some measure of, uh, of, of force or whatever. But like, I think the point is, Hey, I agree with you 
like what are the fruits of the outcome if your actions are preserving your child's well-being you know generally you're probably doing something right um you know and you know compared to what is a question you kind of have to ask it's like you and i don't fault but you know sometimes it's like you know peaceful parenting is tough and and there are times in the past you know because i've 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 been doing that from day one but every day is a struggle i won't like i won't pretend that it was always perfect like there are times where you have kids hitting each other and you're like i I want to stop them from hitting each other. And you're like trying to, you know, like, you know, you're not exactly sitting there with like, it's not like a video game where you can pause and go, what's the best strategy to break up this fight. It's kind of like you get in there and you just kind of like you act to the best of your ability. And then like you think on it, you go, ugh, that wasn't sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness. You'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join planet fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See home club for details the right way to handle it but you try to improve right and i think that's the at the heart of peaceful parenting is just like I, it's like always asking the question of is there a way i can solve this without any kind of force and even if you get to like the bottom of the barrel and you go man i i don't know a way out of this situation without using some measure of force it's like okay then what is the most reserved and and responsible use of force you can do um you know, and, and I and I think again, like with young kids, that that comes into play more than with with older kids. But the the point being, like, you need to uh, to me, peaceful parenting isn't about like some scale of perfection. It's about your heart and and pausing to ask the question and and always trying to find the most peaceful. Which to me, it's like uh, you know, I don't peaceful parenting is natural to me because it's like it, that's just how you should live life. Like, you know, obviously your relationship to your kids is like the most important relationship you have other than like maybe your spouse or you know you could argue they're you know equal or maybe the child relationship is even more important because you have more of a responsibility to them but it's like man shouldn't that just be our mentality with people in general it's like how about i just like always try to find situ you know any problem that i have with any human being you know let, let me exhaust every possible peaceful uh uh, response to a conflict right. that I can before I consider any any use of force. Um, you know that 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 to me is like the most important nugget I want people to 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 consider. Yeah the the doing your best is all that I can ask and all anybody can ask. I mean it's really it's really the key to everything. Cause I think when there's some people you'll be like, well, you know, be peaceful parenting. And to you know, me, it's like, that's something I want to do. I'm excited for that. And then some people are like you, who's going to make me, I control this. I control my kid. Do I not control my kid? Do I not control this situation? And you're just like, you obviously like, I need to back up off of peaceful parenting because you're not, a, you don't have a peaceful soul, right? Like there's a problem. Yeah. Like if it doesn't emanate from within, it, it's like executing, I mean, to go back to another football accident, like analogy, it's like having a run first offense and then, but, and then going to the no huddle, but all, you know, are like running plays. It's like, well, you're not in the right phase right now. Like you need to practice a lot of stuff. You need to work on some 
some things right now. You know, I, I understand like some resistance to it because everybody's just in, we're in a different place. You know, frankly, I was spanked as a kid and I turned out fine. I don't have trauma related to it. That being said, was there a better way to do it? I'm not trying to say that every kid who was ever spanked lived a messed up life. And not all like, spanking is the same. Like, you know, some people, sometimes I hear how like some will go, well, here's how I spank. And I go, okay, that's not as bad as I was spanked or other people were spanked. But then I go, but if you're, if, if, if it's so minimal, then why even do it? You know what I mean? Like you might be able to find a punishment that just, you know, that the kid hates worse than that. Like if some, sometimes it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I hit them one time and it's super light and it's like, and I, you know, uh, talk to them the whole time. And I'm like, okay, but like at that point, just don't do it. Like if you've, if you reduced it to the point where it's like basically nothing, you could probably find a better path anyway. Right. Um. So it, it it's always like, you know, I, I try very hard not to condemn parents who spank, although it's it, honestly, when people talk about like the, you know, they're, they're, they're my kids and not like, you know, right. like that, that kind of mentality can really bug me. And I know that's like, we had a conversation on a Facebook post or something. This is where it goes like authority, right? Authority. Yeah. Because it's like, there's, so I definitely want to delineate that, like, I don't view my kids as mine in the sense that, like, I own them, you know, both in, like, I reject the, the Rothbardian idea of, of like, the ch children are, uh, you know, Property. yours to do with whatever you want, yeah. including, like, just letting them die, like, you know, right. like, just not feeding them or whatever, like, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's kind of messed up. Um, and Kinda. Yeah, a lot <laughs> messed up. Uh, you know, Murray! Like, it's really messed up, Murray. I, I, I also think that the uh, Christians who would interpret the Bible in the way that, like, you know, you know, your kids or yours are like, well, no, like the kids belong. If the kids belong to anyone other than themselves. They belong to God. And I've been entrusted to be stewards over them. And and so I have to take that with like a high degree of responsibility and, and humility. And so yeah. those kids are. Like the only sense in which they're mine is that like they come from my DNA and like they're, you know, in compared to like, you know, the neighbor's kid is not my kid. Like the kid didn't come from me. It's not the kid that's been entrusted to me. Um, but it, the, the kid isn't mine in the sense of like I own them or anything, um, you know, and the, uh, the, I guess maybe some of the, can, like you know the, the topics where i guess like the rubber meets the road and, and i don't know like i don't know if we agree or disagree on some of this stuff is is in terms of like the role like because I mean, you and i would agree like you know on not spanking on uh you know I, I think we would have similar styles of parenting where it's like you know e even like i i try to the the best of my ability avoid using like uh punishment um right. you know what i mean um, because, and if there is going to be a punishment or a consequence, I try, if, if, if there's a natural consequence, I, I always default to that. Right. It's like, I'm not going to eat my dinner. You're going to go to bed hungry. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a great natural consequence. Enjoy death. <laughs> you want to well, run in traffic? Oh, no, no. Enjoy there's obviously a limit there. You know what yeah, I mean? I know, but I it's know. like, it's like, and I wouldn't like let my kids just not eat for days on end. But here's the thing. Kids will eventually eat is what is what I've learned. It's like they might skip right. a meal, then wake up the morning like I'm so hungry. It's like, okay, well, 
breakfast will be ready as soon as it can be. And you might take, you know, 10 minutes longer than you might normally to, you know, just like, you know, hey, wouldn't it have been better if you had dinner last night? Yeah, it would have been. You know, just like let the natural consequences of some of those things be their own lessons. You don't even have to really do anything other than just show your kids through experience why certain courses of action aren't good for them and that they don't like them. Right. Um, and if I have, and if I step in at all, it's always like try to make a consequence fit the action um, and, and try to make it a choice. Like right? I always try to like, you know, give your kids as many choices as you can rather than just forcing them to do things. Like if I need them to go to bed early for some reason, instead of just telling them, Hey, you know, we're going to bed at seven 30. It's not a conversation. It's like, Hey, let's talk about bedtime tonight. I know you guys usually go to bed at eight. Da Daddy wants to do a podcast tonight. And it'd be really, you know, make my, it, if we can go to bed at seven 30, it'd be a lot easier. Now, what can, what can I do to make that more fun? Like, can we do, you know, like, can we go upstairs at seven o'clock, brush teeth, and then like everyone can pick out a book and we can have a nice, yeah. you know, more extended time sitting down reading books together. And like you, kids are, you know, I mean, obviously you can't do that with like a one-year-old, but like, you know, as kids age, you know, they, they become really willing to have those kind of dialogues and be part of their experience and have some measure of control rather than just like being dragged along through everything. So I, I would imagine you and I are pretty much on the same page on, you know, most of that. Yeah. Tone, but And I, I guess here's where kind of the difference comes up and it wouldn't be a difference between you and me. But it would be a difference between like me and somebody else uh, who is kind of expressing authority over their kids is that the tone very much matters in all of this. The tone of you, I own you is very much present with some people in the way that they enjoy parenting, you know, because they'll say, well, yeah. government doesn't get to tell me what to do with my kid. Good. That's great. My government doesn't get to tell me to do either. Right. I'm homeschooling them. I'm I'm. You know, I'm making the sacrifices that I got to make to make that happen. Okay, good, right? Like, I have no problem with that crowd. But what happens is that tone can then all of a sudden get into because they're mine. They get to know what I want them to know. They will learn what I want them to learn. I will shield them from information that I dislike. I will not permit them to have these things. I don't permit them to own property. I don't permit them to, you know, if they're sleeping under my house, it's my rules there's no negotiating there's no i am the ultimate authoritarian power in this household and they will learn an authoritarian mindset because they are under my rule versus what you called stewardship which is a fantastic word because stewardship is so much different than authority even though there is some overlap in that venn diagram right either one of us might pull our kid out of the road right but when all of a sudden one of us is having a kid that's like hey dad i'm just really confused about these feelings and somebody's like you shut the f up no child of mine's going to have those feelings versus can you please talk to me about this like i want to have this conversation with you let me give you all the information you can about it i really care about you i want to see you grow up healthy and so on and so forth right and there is very much a different tone even though i might say philosophically i'm on the same page with some of these people there is a different tone there that absolutely does impact the parenting, right? Like our kids sure. won't have similar turnouts. You know, one will be like, well, my dad shielded me from schools. He also, I read a book called Uneducated the other day. Um, they're also, my dad might also choose not to teach me that the Holocaust was real. Or, I mean, in the case of this kid, chose not to teach about it at all, right? And this kid ended up escaping and 
getting out to college beyond all beyond all reason and pronounce the word wrong in like a college course right like oh she's like i don't know what this word is and like she got held that after class and she oh was my like, gosh oh i don't my know gosh. what's going on right like and so the thing is is this parent absolutely was like and correctly asserted that they had a certain degree of stewardship over their kids the thing is they crossed the line into authority and that's kind of where i draw the line of being like you are a steward over a person who is their own authority you are not a well, you can definitely authority. get it wrong right it's like i would agree like yeah you had stewardship over your child and you had the the top claim to instructing and raising your child compared to every other adult in the world but just because you had that claim doesn't mean you got it all right doesn't mean that like we can't criticize and say hey you didn't teach your kid about the holocaust maybe you know that that was a big mistake <laughs> right so you know to, to put it very mildly um so and honestly like to not i i don't know like i, I was it an absent-minded mistake or if it was it like intentional like if it was intentional i mean i mean like even i can't imagine just absent like how would you teach history and just accidentally not bring up the holocaust like it's hard to even uh, i'm someone who tries to like almost maybe too I, I'm probably more charitable um, in a lot of people's eyes than is reasonable to try not to assume that people have racist or anti-Semitic intentions sure. to their actions. But man, to like just teach history to someone who then goes off to college and hasn't learned about the Holocaust, like, man, like it, always assume what always assume uh um like stupidity and over malice <laughs> if it if it's possible. But man, it's hard to. It, it, it's hard to come up with a rational explanation for someone being that absent-minded or dumb. Yeah, in, in this particular case, I mean, there's a lot of instances her parents were very much like, they they had some good stuff, like, and like, here's the concern about it, which is the reason I read the book, is they have a lot of libertarian overlap. Like, they made a big deal about, like, Ruby Ridge and Waco, and yeah, those are big deals. You should know about them. Did they right? not teach like, World War II? Right. But well, like, they taught just, it. And the, the issue is, is like she she like it was a blend of I didn't teach you about how bad the Nazis were because I kind of like them. And then like because like the like Holocaust was like kind of a, a thing that we would support if it happened. We're going to pretend it didn't happen because if we need to talk about it we would only talk about it positively. So we're not going to talk about it all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it, really. It like, it's like when Dave Smith says that the people who deny the Holocaust are also the ones who would want one to, if it was happening today, would support it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, exactly. It's like, why deny it? It seems like something you'd kind of be into. Right. I, I know. There, you know, there's kind of stupid things like that and like libertarian and Christian overlap when it, when it comes to this thing. And I think that that, it might be a tone difference more than it is a philosophical difference. Right. And I, no, I will is, say this I, is why I, I've kind of just pointed more to like the fruits are what it is, right? Sure. If your kid ends up dumb about the Holocaust, that that's an that's a negative fruit, right? Like that's a like it, it had a negative consequence on her life. If your kid commits suicide because of how you responded to when they came out of the closet, that's a negative fruit, right? That's bad. You know, yes. and so like these are things that I that I have to passionately speak about because even though people might be like, well, I don't want the government telling my kids they're gay. Look, I've seen all the libs on TikTok, and like there's some wackos out there that get into public education on the right 
uh, well, mostly on the left, let's be honest, but are there some right wingers that want to keep them at home to indoctrinate them into something else that's really gross? Absolutely. Right. We have an epidemic of suicide. Right. And we don't want, this, we don't right? want kids. Like, I, I don't care. Like means don't justify the end. You know what I mean? And it's like, even if right. the thing you're indoctrinating your children in has parts of it that I agree with, it's like, but first of all, how you do something matters. And also Absolutely. how the child accepts and comes to a conclusion matters. Like, I don't want someone to profess Christ as their savior because they were brainwashed into doing it. Right. Like that's not, that's not legitimate. Doesn't mean there's it's people like God gave us free will. That's there's people God in therapy us... when they leave Christianity. And I'm like, dude, that sucks. Yeah. Like that is suck, such a sucky thing because Christianity is so awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, go ahead. Keep, continue. Well, the whole reason why God gave us free will is like, because like he didn't want just like mindless drones who just like automatically because they were created that way, loved him and, uh like chose like no it's like i want you know the same way like anyone who is decent wants a spouse who chose to be with them not someone who just like is you know like a robot who's i mean some people want that but like i <laughs> that's not very like psychologically healthy or uh right. you know morally praiseworthy so what does god want i want your heart i want your mind i want your spirit i want your body i want you you know god yeah. doesn't want him in you he wants you right right so like right. that's the beauty so, of this whole thing so you want like i want my my children to come to christ i want my of children course. to even like listen like w if we're talking about like some of the uh touchy subjects like whether it's you know uh, transgenderism or homosexuality or sure. uh or even if it's like you know being an atheist or being a statist like i i i have opinions about what i think is right and wrong Mm -hmm. And the, the the kind of choices and beliefs that I want my child to have. But the worst the, the worst mistake I could make in trying to get my child to come to those conclusions would be to try to coerce them into them. Like that is going to be a, a hundred percent counterproductive towards me trying to push them in the right direction. Yep. So that that yep. is something that I can hundred percent agree with you on. It's also uh, to go even further as far as like because then there's like another layer. Like okay, maybe it's not coercion to you know hold out like i would say like you know there's because there's different layers here like you could withhold information or you could only present one side of a particular subject right, right. and you got to be careful with both of those things and this is where i depart really uh hard from a lot of the hoppian crowd because as much as i you know more than some of the more uh i, I don't know like Cato or quote unquote more praggy or or blue pilled or whatever libertarians you know I, I'm definitely me uh, <laughs> you know I, I, there, there's a lot from 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 Hoppe that I like um, but and I'm not even against the idea of a covenant community here but I've always told people like it wouldn't really be my thing because I think the problem is not so much like you know on a property rights level the problem is more on a like, well, we kind of already have done this. Like, maybe we didn't do it through the perfect Ancapa stand property rights way, but we had a culture where we basically told people if they didn't live certain lifestyles, they'd get ostracized out of society. And it didn't work, right? right. If anything, it had the exact opposite effect. It, it created more of the thing that you were kind of trying to push back against. Because um, it turns out if people are struggling with those things, repressing it is the worst thing you can do. Um, uh, and, and 
the the other problem is like if you over like there's so there's over condemning and demonization which is which can backfire but then also there's over protection where there's like that isolationism where like you don't like you, you know like kids who grow up and like don't know that there are people who are gay or people who are trans or people who are you know whatever or or stereotypes like all all muslims are terrorists or all atheists or you know godless degenerate heathens and right. and you know again i have I have issues with Islam. I have issues with atheism. I have issues uh, with with homosexuality and with transgenderism. But Boom. stereotypes are harmful, and uh, over like like isolating information from from children just means like you're probably like, like if anything the op I think it's going to have the opposite effect because then when they encounter that stuff in the real world, they have they're going to realize that they were sold a. Uh, like a soiled bag of goods, right? Like they, they weren't told the truth. Yeah. And then that makes them actually question and, and, and be distrustful towards your perspective, even if it is the right perspective. Um, and, and so I, I think you and I would probably agree on that stuff. I think, you know, the, the, the only area, like put it this way, when it comes to, to, to some of those topics, it, like let, let let's just get right like go to the, the the extreme. Let's say like I had a child who came to me, like one of my kids, who came to me and said that they were struggling with their uh, identity in terms of their gender, and they thought that they're having thoughts that like you know I, I feel more like you know like let's say it was my son. He said like I I feel more like a like a girl sometimes, and sometimes I feel like I'm a girl who is just in a boy's body. Yeah. First thing I'm going to do is tell my son that I love him, and that my relationship with him is not dependent upon any of his choices in terms of what he does in, in pertaining to this struggle, that my love for him is unconditional. And that even if it, and that, and that, you know, as he grows up that he's going to have the freedom to do things that I might not agree with, but that my love for him is going to be uh, unchanged by if he does things that I don't agree with. And, and that's always going to be my foundation. I'm I'm probably going to find a way from from my worldview to try to gently lead my child or gently influence them in a direction that I think is better for them in the long term. And I'm going to probably make claims about those subjects from my worldview in terms of what I think is right and wrong, what I think is true and false. But I would not lock them in the house and like, you know, like like control their phone and their internet and be like, you know, you're on lockdown and I got to make sure you're not influenced by the wrong people and that you don't see certain things. It's like, no, like at some point you got to be like the, the father with the prodigal son, the son, like you have to like, they, they, they can, they can leave. And you just pray that if they do leave, that they find out that that course of action wasn't good for them. And they come back. And when they come back, you, you, you run to them and you wrap them up and you pick them off the ground and you, you, you rejoice and, um, that that would be the extent to which I would respond to that. And now I think there are some people in like the GSM uh, right community who would, I think, push back against what I just said, because they think that me pushing back in any form, even with like me pushing back from a, just a like, Hey, l listen, I, I love you. You're my child. That's never going to change. You know, this is, th these are the things that I think are good for your well-being short term and long term um and having that kind of you know uh gentle push on my child's life 
they would they would criticize to one degree or another. Um, but sure. I, 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 and when I say the word authority, it's like, I think I have the authority in terms of the stewardship that God has given me to like, listen, like I, I want to protect the well-being of my child. It's a difficult balancing act. Cause like, I don't want to ostracize them from me. I don't want them to feel like if they, you know, I, I don't want to encourage su suicidal thoughts because they feel like they're not going to be accepted by me. Um, at the same time, I, I want to encourage things that I think, you know, are not to diminish their struggle. I just that, that, you know, I think what it comes down to is just that my opinions on some of these subjects are just on the facts on the ground might, might differ from these people. And, you know, one of us is right or one of us is wrong, or maybe we're both wrong or <laughs> both partially right. Who knows? It's complicated. Right. But I, I think... I think the parent has a, has the right to, at the very least, speak into their child's life and to, you know, make the case for what they think is the best course of action. But you shouldn't force your child into in, into anything. Um, I mean, the, the most I would do is like, I don't know, like I don't want public school teachers talking to my child about this while he's eight years old or anything. You know what I mean? Like that that might be something that I push back against pretty strongly. Which I know that's a big headline in the current uh libertarian conversation because of some recent lp national tweets but um you know i don't i don't know what your thoughts on there but i don't know i just put a lot out there i'll let you respond to any or all of it yeah uh it's a lot um yeah th so i think that i just i i default back to the result will tell you if you made the right decision or right. Now, that's not to say that the ends justify the means. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. A lot of people try to get that right result, result by doing the wrong thing. This is how this right. is how a lot of statism works, right? I know this yep. guy sucks, but if we do this really bad thing, a good thing will happen, right? That never is how it works. It's always getting worse. It's like, and that and that is the way like that works, right? So I don't believe that. That being said, I do think it's a barometer because none of us are perfect, right? We can look back and say, did I make the right decision or not? You know, so when we, you know, and, and we don't make this decision for our kids. I, we need to make that very clear, especially stewards. It comes to something like gender identity or sexuality. That's as personal as things get, right? Like this is not something that I as a parent get to choose for my child. This is not something that even a doctor gets to choose for my child. This is not something that, that uh, you know, uh, somebody else gets to write on a piece of paper. This is not something a politician gets to choose for my child. This is not something a teacher gets to choose for my child. This is something that my child will choose for themselves. And it is a journey and there are stages on that journey to the, to them choosing it, you know? And I think that we have right now really great examples of far right parents having their trans kids commit suicide because they're assholes, right? And their kid was trans and they're like, nope, you're not going to be that way dead right and then you have the far left parents that are literally like sewing thing like sewing baby penises to put in their girl's diaper so that if she wants to transition to a male it'll be a more natural process like i mean you see on some of these tiktoks these kids are in tears with their parents hounding them about their gender constantly and i'm yeah. just like at or, some or, point or girls like and again it's like i want to be clear i i i obviously believe that I believe there are people out there who have a genuine, not, not a fact, because like some people will make the argument that it's all a social contaminant. And I think that there's an element of that. Like I, 
but I, I also think there are people who are born and like that's just like a, that that's yeah they have that deep rooted struggle and it you know there's some like the studies show that with some people when they become adults that they had gender confusion when they were you know kids or teens but they right. outgrow it but for some they never outgrow it and like man like I mean, level. I have high levels of empathy for that. Like, I can't imagine the distress that it causes these people. So, what's the um, right thing to do? Well, and it's not for me to say really what the right. You thing can't to know. Do is. You need to. So, the best what we can do. What's the right thing to do? Have the conversation. Right. Prepare ourselves to have the conversation. Prepare ourselves to lay out all the facts. Prepare ourselves to learn. Right. Like, not many of us are over here that are like masters at genetics. But how many of us would start to study that? If we all of a sudden had a kid that's like, hey, dad, I'm having these feelings, then all of a sudden it's like, OK, I'm I, learning I, today. I, I guess I have I have some intuitions and strong opinions on what I think the wrong things to do about that are. But there's no I mean, no one has killing silver... your kid is wrong. Sure. Well, yeah, Bullying yeah. them to death is wrong. Starving. Them to I, I death think is wrong. I think even like you don't want to demonize trans people. But the problem is, I think the left has gone like the polar opposite other direction where it's like, you know, everyone is you know, potentially trans or, you know, gender is just completely fluid and has no connection to biology or, or, you know, whatever, which then that just further radicalizes the right reactionaries to just like double, triple down on, on, on their stuff. And none of that's helpful. Um, right. but, but I think uh, you got dead kids either way. You got kids right. that, well, you have, you, that you have, transitioned you have, you have, when they you have shouldn't dead have kids or you have kids who, themselves. or you have kids who, transitioned and regret it because like you know like young women who had the breast chopped off yeah it's like it's yeah. it, it's it so there's there's harm being done to kids on on both sides right and, and i will definitely grant that um and it it's the problem i have is that like one side seems to have a very strong control over the institutions that we most people send our kids to um, yeah. uh, and then the, and also the media, which a lot of, you know, the kids are plugged into in terms of, you know, on the cultural scene. And so right. I have concerns about that doesn't mean, I, but I have concerns about the other side too. Um, but in every I, you state know, you can pull your kids out of, out of school and. Oh yeah. I think, I think that's always the right call. It's, it's right. not always, but then it's like, well, so then that comes down to, okay. Some people would say that me homeschooling my child if I'm not teaching the same curriculum about transgenderism in my home that like the public school in my district is teaching, then I'm harming my child or at the very least I'm teaching a transphobic curriculum. Um, And that's where I have some pushback. And it's like, I, I I think as a parent, I have the right to exercise my authority, but I also would agree with you that like other people then have the right to judge the fruits of my actions in terms of like, well, if if I take a course of action and it's like you know five years down the ride, five years down the road, my kid kills himself. It's like, well, obviously I picked the wrong path. Um, right. So like, here's the thing: you, I, I would say, you never have the right to authority. You don't have really the right to stewardship. You have the responsibility, and what you can do is you can fail or succeed at that stewardship. And but what do you? But, but what do you? But succeed, right? How would you then explain? Because like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, I have. You know, when my child is, you know, a, a minor, um, uh-huh. I think that the parent has a claim to some sort of exclusivity in terms of a role in their children's life that no other adults can claim. 
Now, if you want to say that's not the same as having a right to authority, okay, I'm open to a better way to describe it. But to me, it's like, it's hard for me to, like, if you have an exclusive claim to something, it's hard to not call that a right. I don't know what else we would call that. But um, you other don't than a have right. the right. The child has the right over their own right. Right. Like the authority is literally to have the power over somebody's decisions to be able to enforce obedience to them. Right. And like, even if like at first you like kind of help kids along the path, this is, this is hardly making decisions for them. Right. This is still setting them up to make their own decisions. But what You're I mean just giving like, them the most information possible. Here, here, here's what I mean. Right. The state can't tell me to, they can tell me what not to do to my kids. Maybe like any government can tell you not to murder your kids. You don't even need government for that. Like, just don't kill your kids. But the government has no right to compel me to do something with 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 the children I have stewardship over. You know what I mean? Like, they can't come into my house and say, "You have to do things according to X, Y, and Z." Um, right. You know, I mean, they they have like the right de facto through sure. fiat, of course. But like, what I mean, like they don't they don't have like the moral right. Like, I don't. Right. I, think, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So it's like it. You know, again, this is kind of a semantics thing. It's just like, you know, th- there is to me some exclusivity, not in terms of controlling the child, but more so in terms of like the, I have input into my child's life and, you know, into the raising of my child that no other adult has an equal claim to. The state doesn't have that kind of claim. Even my church doesn't have that kind of claim. My grand, you know, my parents, like their grandparents, don't have that kind of claim. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, now, obviously, there's going to be other adults in your your kids' lives that are like role models and and influence them. But like when it comes down to it, it's like the parents have, I think, the highest claim to that special exclusivity in terms of like, uh, you know, until the kid's an adult and and move out on their own. You know, it, it again, it's it, it's tough. Like describing the relationship of children to parents is one of the, whether it's from a Christian or libertarian perspective is one of the harder things to define. But I, I just, there, there's something there that, that I would describe as some sort of exclusive claim when compared to other adults and to the state and government. Sure. Right. Like even in the Bible, right. There's an honor your parents. Why don't I also have to honor my grandparents? Why not honor my uncle? Right. He's still there too. Ultimately there and are to some two- extent you should, but it's like, there's a different, like it's like, it's like a, a higher form. There's two human you know what beings I mean? that you dude. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no taking that away. Ultimately they made a decision that led to your existence. Right. Like, so I mean, like- and, and to go to the extreme, it's like when the, when the child's an infant, like, mm-hmm it's not even just a right it is a obligation on the parents in my mind like yeah. you better take care of that kid or you better give them to someone who will right you know what i mean this like, is they- and this <laughs> is where and this is where it's like critically important and this is kind of what i'm setting up to is because i don't believe in the state but that means i need to have a deep cultural change especially with people that boss that like think they're the boss of their kids that think they are in charge of Or just, you know, I use the term authority, but whatever we want to say, that they are in charge of their kid and and not the kid themselves. Do you think authority always means the right to do you think authority always means the right to use force over something? Because I I don't I don't define authority that way. I mean authority is called a myth. I mean, even the reason like we call it a myth in libertarian circles is because the 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 root word author, right? Like what is your 
this is you have you have a right to control all of your works right like if you wrote something you can burn it you can sell it you can fly it up to space if you want to like if you create something you have complete and total ownership of that thing right i authored this i have the authority over this the myth of authority is when you express that over another human being I have a kid. I can fly. I can put him into space. I can set him on fire. I can throw him in the freezer if I want. All of a sudden, you kind of go, eh, that doesn't quite sound right, right? Like, that's not the type of authority that I agree with. You can't do that with another human being, right? Well, Only human say... beings can do that to themselves. All of a sudden, I set myself on fire. I put myself into space. I throw myself in the fridge. Now, all of a sudden, it's okay. And this is kind of a deep, important thing to understand because I think anarchists frequently make themselves look bad on this issue because we'll have the state stepping to state kids. This is the whole reason I read this book. Like I said, this it's called educated, by the way, it's a wild book. It's pretty short. It's about this, uh, um, this, this poor girl and her parents just miseducated the heck out of them on purpose. And the thing is, is she's a raging status now. Like you get to the end and it's like really sad, but you see why, right? Like she wants people to have public education. She wants people to have these things because she was tremendously let down by her anarchist family, right? And so like the thing is, is this is what do I either have to say, like as an anarchist, I defend these people's rights. Nobody should have intervened in that situation. But that's wrong. These kids were, I mean, one of them actually got brain damage because like what the parents were doing, like there is, there is harm, both, both very obvious harm. And we need to also talk about unarmed, obvious harm, right? Like we've, we've seen kids before where all their teeth are rotten, you know? And it's like, what are the parents doing? You know, like, how did you allow this to happen? Their kids are sick. Well, I'm feeding my kid the necessary calories. Okay. Well, there's this sliding scale between I'm feeding them nothing but like gobstoppers and like you're required by law to feed them X amount of all nutrients, right? Like there, and there's this scale where we kind of say below a certain point, that point's never going to be defined, right? We're, this is why I kind of trash the rule of law a lot because there is no point where I can define it because there's no point when the government should intervene, but there is a point when culture, culturally, we need to be able to say you've done wrong by your kids, you know, oh, and, I agree, but I think, I, yeah. but you can you can have a, a, in my mind, like you can have authority and just do wrong with that authority. But that doesn't mean that you didn't have the authority to to do that. But and and you would ideally want to hold people responsible in some way, and even if it isn't in a criminal or legal sense, like definitely culturally, like yeah, like we should have a strong cultural pushback against uh, people who misuse. Uh, you know, authority, even if it's not core, like, you know, like I think you, you know, you, you give up a certain authority to a spouse, right? Like my wife has a certain level of authority over me and I have a certain level of authority over her because of like the kind of relationship we have. But if either one of us is misusing the authority that, that we've kind of like consented to the other person having we're going to grow resentful and it's going to put a strain on our on our relationship whereas if we use that authority responsibly not to like we're trying to control one another but rather like we're trying to hold each other accountable we're trying to be good partners you know to me that's that is like that's what authority should be i mean to me it's the same way that god has authority but god doesn't use his authority to be a tyrant he uses his authority to to be a savior and to be uh, a good father so I don't know. I and you know, we're running out of time here, but I don't like. I think it's it, it, it's partly semantics and how you define the word, I guess. But I, I guess it's to me there are ways 
you can have authority that don't require the use of force or or coercion over somebody. Um, I hear what you're saying as far as like, you know, where's that line in terms of like harm being done and people stepping in? It's like you can, it's easy to point out the extremes. It's like if someone is letting their children watch too much TV, it's like probably not good for the kid, but like society doesn't have the right to come in and like take the kid away from the parents for, right. for doing that. Uh, you know, on the, on the flip side, it's like, if, if there was evidence of like, you know, God forbid, like, you know, the worst, like, you know, parents raping their children, like, yeah, like, you know, don't wait for the police, like go, <laughs> go take the kids away from that parent, like, you know, right now. Um, and, but then it's like, okay, where, where, wh what action hits the threshold that like before, like something a degree lower you you don't take action and then the next step up now you do it, it it's a line drawing problem like where where's the line between people being shitty parents but you know you gotta let them do it versus now nah, we gotta step in whether it's you know the village takes care of it or some kind of government apparatus you know because I, again i don't i don't have a problem with the state even coming in and you know i mean listen the foster care is horrible but like i mean I don't care about police and child protective services coming to take kids from some parents who are just actively like torturing and destroying their children. You know what I mean? So it's, it's very situational. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is why I think we come full circle in this conversation is the point isn't never to sin and not never to make a mistake because there's degrees of mistakes, right? I mean, sin, all sin is translated from one word, hamartia, which means just, it's the same word for misunderstanding. Right. So if we all have this misunderstanding that it's like, well, there's different degrees of misunderstandings. Right. Certainly. You know, and is there a you know, is it weird to be like you sinned by not feeding your kids all of their nutrients? It's like, well, that's a weird way to put it. But I guess like it wasn't. Well, or, I mean, it depends on why. Like maybe you were ignorant of the. That's nutrient. exactly it. But that's why problem, that's what sin literally means. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't understand. I didn't know. But right? then what if the reason you did is because there's a department of nutritional health that the government created and they're giving you a bunch of bad misinformation because the government sucks at everything. Yep. It's like, there's so many different layers and variables here. So it's like the best we can do is deal with it on a cultural level. And this yes. is why I'm yes. so stressful of this cultural level and why I'm so sensitive to libertarians who have a really negative, nasty. I mean, Dave Smith was talking about the other day, you know, you linked me this video and I think had a good point to say like, you have the most humanitarian, like positive, loving, compassionate message. And if you convey it like an asshole, you failed the message, right? Like you failed, yeah. the, like what's the plot of, you might not, you can memorize every verse of the Bible and not get the Bible, right? Can't you? But yeah. if you if you just say, I haven't, let's say I haven't memorized any verses. I don't know a single Bible verse, but you know what? I believe in Christ and I've given him my life and I hope to, you know, walk by his, like, do what is right and love my neighbor as myself. And I love God, right? Okay. Obviously, that second person is in a much better place, you know, than somebody who just goes around memorizing all the Bible verses like a robot. Your, your computer has all the Bible verses memorized. I don't know if it's going to heaven, you know, right. versus <laughs> you as a person who can say like, look, I am flawed. I don't know everything. I'm not sure of things. I am scared. I am a sinner. I am weak, but I am hoping that the power of Christ can help me understand these things, help give me that forgiveness that I need. And we have these amazing things, these amazing 
tools at our disposal. And the tone so matters. If you convey the most loving philosophy on earth, like you are a hateful person, you have seriously effed up your message. Right. And yeah. this is, and this is a, it creates a cultural problem because then you get people to say, Hey, that hateful attitude is pretty cool. Right. I quoted this verb from Proverbs the other day, uh, Proverbs 17, like the whole thing talks about like not fighting with people, right. Like relentlessly and creating fights when there doesn't need to be a fight, you know, and, and sometimes we think we're fighting about really important stuff, but ultimately at the end of the day, did it change anything? Or did you just fight about stupid stuff? And most of the time, you just find that nobody actually changed. The, the verse that I quoted talks about how it, it raises the gate, like makes it impossible to get in when you're having a fight with somebody. And this happens very often with people that are right, right? Like I'm a Christian and a libertarian and an anarchist. I'm right about all that stuff. I have no doubt. I am right. And whoever I'm debating is wrong. Right. I know this for a fact. Right. But if I hold myself like this, if I talk about it like that, how effective am I going to be? If I start being a jerk to everybody that I run into, how effective is my message going to be? Now, people don't like bland. Christ calls us the salt of the earth. Right. Salt takes the flavor of something and makes it a million times cooler. Right. People who are the salt of the earth aren't bland. There should be no such thing as a bland Christian. You should be the most maximized version of whatever good gifts that God has given you. You should be, you know, that's what it means to be the salt of the earth, this city on a hill, this, yes. this yeah. candle, right? Like this light in the dark. What does a light look like in the dark? Man, it's all you can see, right? So Christians should be so radical that when you're in the room, people are just like, dude, whatever that guy's doing, that's different. That is something else, man. That is unreal. Versus if you're being like an edgelord online or posting like xenophobic stuff or stuff that may be construed that way, but maybe it technically isn't if you say, if you look at it in a certain way, is that what you want to be? Like, that's not what you're called to be as a Christian. It's certainly not positive, you know, like, and, and like I said, like you should have some zest. I'm not afraid of the spice. What I don't like is hate. You know, what I don't like is that rage and that wrath. And we are, especially as Christians, under a duty to get our message across no matter what it takes. Now you'll note with Christ, he's according to the Bible, when he spoke to the people, he spoke in nothing but parables. He didn't deal with philosophy or scripture at all. He only told stories on top of feeding them and taking care of them and healing them, right? Helping with their debts sometimes, right? We help people with these things and all of a sudden we open them up. I talk about this, I've talked about this before, that people are more likely to be a libertarian after getting out of debt than they are after reading Man, Economy, and State. Now, maybe it shouldn't be that way. I love philosophy, right? Like, it's a huge part of me being a libertarian. But most people, when we communicate, are saying, how do you meet my needs right now, guys? Like, how do you how do you get to me? How, how does this matter to me? How does this heal me? And so Christ is like, let me focus on healing your stuff and paying your debts and, like, getting you situated, right? Ultimately, Christ didn't say, Zacchaeus, you need to stop collecting taxes, Zacchaeus came to that conclusion on his own. Christ yeah. never said, Mary Magdalene, you need to stop being a prostitute. She came to that conclusion on her own. And what was it? It was after Christ gave them security and built them up and gave them all these wonderful things. And so for me, this culture of love, this culture of goodness and peace, and we, we have this incredible message as Christians and libertarians. And one of the things that Satan loves to do is contort the best thing there is. Christ doesn't care about, or, you know, Satan's not going to care about lies. Th those are already in progress. Those are good, right? Like all the falsehoods, right? 
what Satan wants to do is make Christianity look terrible, and he will use imposters to do it. Satan wants to make, I have no doubt, Satan wants to make libertarianism look terrible and wants to make freedom look awful. And he's going to take people and make it look bad and use their words in the worst possible way. We need to be aware that Satan is doing this and say that, okay, I'm not going to play into Satan's hands and allow him to make this look hateful or bad, right? I am not going to, I'm going to stand up. We talked before, Jacob, and I know you and I have a bit of a disagreement on this subject, which I'm, of course, going to bring in now that we're in the concluding moments here. But the, you know, with Christ in the Temple Square, when does Christ get most angry and vitriolic? It's when he's talking to his own leadership, right? It's when he's dealing with Pharisees, like really bad people. Yeah. Right. But these are leaders that know better. They're leaders in his own movement. Well, why isn't he going to the Romans? Because they're the Romans. He's the he's a Jew. Right. This is the difference here is that he's like, I don't control them. I can impact the culture around me, you know, and so I am going to impact this culture. Statism is terrible, but we've reiterated how awful statism is and gotten nowhere with it for a very long time. Where this focus needs to shift is now onto culture and to say, okay, I need to focus instead of focusing on Satan. Christ is not the anti-Satan. Satan is the anti-Christ. The reason being is because we are not defined by Satan in any way. We want to go out and do good. We have actual objectives. We want to heal. We want to bring goodness and peace and healing to this world. Satan and the state get in the way, right? We only hate them by virtue of them getting in our way. I don't care. If they're out of my way, I don't care, right? Otherwise. And I think that that to me is like a really important thing when we talk about this, because I think that's like the core of kind of when we have these disagreements online. We haven't had it so much today, but when we have these disagreements online, it's a lot of, I understand I'm talking about tone and a lot, you know, and reading into things. And people can say, well, this is technically true. This is technically right. This is technically this. Well, he didn't technically say this. If that doesn't matter. Christ spoke in parables because he wanted to avoid technicalities so bad. Uh, yeah. As soon as I you've mean, gotten it, into technicalities, you've lost your message. You re- re- regarding the, the the subject you brought up, I mean, when 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 Hody Johns and Michael Malice and Dave Smith all say that something missed the mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take a step no. back and go, okay, maybe maybe I'm and and, and, I, and I kind of realized my issue, which which goes into what you were saying, and honestly, it, it's. Basically, just you know, I could just paste First Corinthians thirteen up here, and it would say it better than me. You know, I mean, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, and Ooh, you know, all the verse. all the gifts of prophetic powers, and you know, anything that you can do, but it's not in love, it's it's all for naught. So, you know, we have to be defined by what we love, not by what we hate. You know what I mean? Like it's yep. you know, and not that like we should point out the the horrific effects of the things we hate like we should point out the the horrors of war we should point out the yep. horrors of the irs or the the covid regime or yes. uh or the the war on drugs or or our criminal justice system you know point point all that out yep but if if you know if all we do is focus on loudly just railing against what we hate with more hatred that's that's not what i'm about that's not what christ is about that's not what libertarianism should be about um and and I definitely got caught up in just my hatred of evil when that whole New Hampshire tweet got sent out because it was just like yeah like yeah but like 
you know, it's just like something about like, you know, oh, how could you make fun of someone who's mourning over their parent? I was just like, God, how many children have mourned over their parents because of this man? Right. But yep. you know what? That hypocrisy noted, we got to be better than our enemies. And if we just meet fire with fire, you know, what, what, what does Jesus say on the Sermon on the Mount? And then what does Paul echo in Romans 12? It's like, you know, don't overcome evil with evil. You know, you have to overcome evil with good. It's like that Martin Luther King quote, you know, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do it. And man, it's tough. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely had to, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, swallow the bitter pill and kind of admit defeat on that one and uh, realize that I was I was I was not acting out of uh out of a spirit of love, but rather out of a spirit of hate. And, you know, listen, I mean, I'll, I'll at least to defend myself, like if you're going to hate something, hating neocons who have slaughtered millions of people or advocated for the slaughter of millions of people is, you know, there, there, there are some things that you could hate that are, uh, you know, like if you're going to hate something, hate that, I guess. But um, but that shouldn't be our focus. So I, I think we can, you know, end on a point of agreement there. Pro pro love and pro liberty comes before anti state. Uh, I think when you learn in terms of being anti state, you start to stand for nothing. And I think that's actually something the state my, wants for us. My, you know? my, my wife's chiming in with some uh, some, some some nice yes. one one letters too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, that's you know the what is uh when when you uh, when you do kindness to your enemy, it's like dump. Uh, what's the what was the the verse like? You're, you're dumping hot coals on their head oh yeah hot coals yeah on their head. you know what i mean so it's like it's um and it shows people you're better than them so it's it, it you, and as christians and libertarians we are better than them we <laughs> you yeah. know we should always carry ourselves as such um but yeah it's you know i mean i say it with i'm joking but you mentioned this like we it, it is a different standard for them and for us i have no standard for satan right i have no standard for the state that anybody who and think of all the people who are statists, right? Like ninety nine percent of the planet, right? I have no standard for them. I don't measure them. You know what I can do is measure myself. You know and 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 focus on doing a good pro love thing. Now, if the state gets in your way, like I said, you should. I'm not going to stop calling out the state for getting in the way of love, right? But there becomes a point where you're clearly more anti-state than you are pro-love and pro-liberty. Yeah, and you kind of yeah. see that with people that like are all of a sudden like you'll see it because they'll make a mistake with their and philosophy. It's hard, right? man. Like I they'll mean, be like pro pro taxation because it's a company they don't like, yeah. right? And I'm just like, hey, you've lost the plot, right? Like you've yeah. spent so long in hate that you've like you've lost your principles, you've lost like your core because you don't you didn't have that love at your core. You had what I hate at my core. And so, and all of a sudden see, like, you see the fire on fire and you're just like, oh, that I'm okay with. That is fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in, they, they get caught up in hating those things. Like it, it's super easy. Cause like, you know, when you see the, the, the true depravity of, you know, like so, so, some days, man, like, I don't know where, where you know, what, what your walk is like, there are some days I wake up and just like, the full weight of how awful things are in the world sometimes hits me. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe God said he'd never flood the earth again. <laughs> like, why'd you take that off the table, man? <laughs> like, well, and I think, I mean, Jacob, but, you were no, I mean, it's, 
you talked about like the pro messaging, like the better messaging, which is like, here are victims of war crimes, right? Like each one of these is a people, is a person with a story. It's a human being. It's somebody's sibling, child, like mother or father. And you could go on about these stories. And it's like, that's a very, that's a very creative way to be anti-state because what it is, is it's not saying anti, I hate the state, I'm anti-war. You, you're not actually anti-war. You're pro those people and war is in the way, right? I was never like, Satan is going to go off and do his own thing. I have no control over Satan, right? He's off doing his own yeah. thing. He's crazy. He's making bets with God and giving people leprosy. And like, he's, he's a weirdo, right? I, Satan is a unhinged, a lunatic, right? I can't control him. But what I can do is say, I, I don't think about Satan, right? Like, I'm get away, get thou behind me, Satan. Get away from me, right? Like, just get out of here. I, I don't, my business is not with you. I'm not even here to kill you or to shake hands with you. You just need to move, right? And this is this is kind of the, this is the Christic mindset, right? That what Christ did. What I am is I am pro those people who died, right? Am I anti-cop or am I pro Duncan Lemp? Right? Am I really saying this life was such a special thing and it was robbed because of this? Well, and and that, it may, it seems like a small thing, right? Like it seems like a really small thing because you're going to come off as like anti cop when you be pro Duncan Lemp. But the thing is, is your message is going to land when you, you know say, what? I Jesus love these was, people. Jesus was anti taxes, but he wasn't anti tax collector to the point where he just demonized them all. I mean, the tax collector became one of his apostles. So it's yeah. like, and, and I guess to the extent, like it can be really hard to, and this is the more Christian side of things, but like even someone like John McCain, God loved him and wanted to redeem him. Like didn't love the things he did, but like that's still one of God's children that, that he desperately wanted to redeem and put on a better path. And, you know, it's like, we, it, you know, the, the enemy, you know, these people are guilty of dehumanizing so many people and yeah. man, it's so easy to want to do it back to them, but, but that's just not the path that leads to success. So it, you know, we, we, we have to, we have to be better. And, and I, I was not better at that moment. And so I definitely have to own up to that. So. Obviously, um, when I dismissed everybody in the LPMC as a cult, I wasn't either. But you know, I'm, I've, we we all we all miss <laughs> the mark sometimes, right? All of sin to fall short. Yeah, hey, you know, it's it, Brett Favre threw a lot of interceptions. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's gonna happen, right? <laughs> I win a lot, beginning. guys. I'm, you know, I have some losses, but I have some wins. You know? Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, hey, we're at the two-hour mark, which is thirty minutes more than. I told my wife we'd do, but she's being gracious about it. <laughs> I like it, how she opted gonna... in the chat. She's yeah. like, uh, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Thanks nah, for sharing, Brianna. I appreciate it, by the way. Yeah. No, she, I mean, gosh, I mean, uh, if you don't have your, if you're a man out there, you don't have yourself a good spouse, you know, I mean, geez, I mean, I. Mary I, Brianna? I don't. Yeah, yeah, I took the high road. <laughs> Bria's, Bria's uh, emanating in the wisdom of uh, turning turning the other cheek and. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I appreciate you sharing him, and uh, I I always enjoy my conversations with you, Jacob. Like I said, when people were talking smack or whatever, it's like this doesn't get better with more division. Division's how we got here. Like I I understand not talking to somebody, but that comes at a point where you're talking. Like I mean. I would probably even talk with Hitler. There comes a point where it's like, when is somebody beyond saving? 
You know what I mean? And we kind of have to say, I don't think anybody's ever be on saving. I think the question is, am I going to save this person? True. And I think yeah. that's the well, point where you like Saul, block somebody. People right? probably thought that Saul was the last person who would have ever been saved. I mean, I mean, it took a road to Damascus right. experience to save him, but like, if you know, anyone can be saved. I think, and it's, it, you know, I mean, and to some extent, we have to remember that like all fall short. So it's like we can, you know. We, we got to be careful not to to fall into a spirit of pride where we think we're better than, I mean, it's kind of tough. Like you obviously like in some ways, like in a very re- measurable sense, like, yeah, like you're better than a lot of these statists, but like we're better because of, like you said, like, because we know better. And if these other people don't know better, it's our job to wake them up, not to, you know, condemn them, you know, right. it's like, it, because that doesn't lead to any improvement. So, Hey man, I love, uh, I love this conversation. I, I appreciate you for coming on, uh, for always having my back. I always try to have your back too. Uh, you know, and always I appreciate uh, the the iron sharpening iron, you know, aspect of our relationship. I hope that you know you always help me to think things through uh, clearly from different angles and to improve my positions. I hope I can provide the same for you, and uh, that we're all the better you for do. it. And you know, hopefully, we can lead by example uh with people <laughs> uh, you know what i mean that's all i can hope for Fair but best. yep uh tell before we get off you know if you want to plug uh your podcast and just uh if people want to follow you and uh anything else you want to mention before we sign off yeah you know follow the we're libertarians network um i do have a podcast there enemy of my enemy it's in a kind of a tough place because unfortunately i love to host right left and center libertarian debates on it um and all we have are righties right now. We have the righties. And it's not if you for are lack a good trying. left libertarian, please yeah. reach out to Hody. Right. <laughs> you can debate you can debate me. The <laughs> thing is, is Lou will, you know, right now I'm and, and I'll admit, like part of it's myself. I've I've made I've been making like a cultural transfer. I've been talking more about like the Bible. Actually, I've been talking a lot more about my faith rather than politics, because I think a huge key in this is I think that I can't, that whole bit about not being able to control anybody else, I can at least have some influence over Christians, not over them, but I can influence Christians. Ooh, you're trying to be an authoritarian. I know, that's me, right? (laughs) I'm going to strongly uh, discourage them from uh, from doing anything I don't want to do. No, I just, you know, I think I already got the clip that will be used to show that I won the debate. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) uh, I lose. All right. Good night, everybody. Um, No, but like, I think that I can have some, I, I can help in that regard. And it's, it's a journey for me too. A lot of what I share is a lot of the stuff that I'm kind of finding out like last week, even like it's just stuff that I am going through now. And in sharing it, I'm finding that other Christians are kind of finding the same thing. And I feel that Christianity can get to a better place. And politics is always downstream from culture, right? So if Christianity is a good place and Christian culture is in a good place, that's when all of a sudden politics starts getting in a good place. I just haven't had much success. I've tried a GOP strategist. I've, I've done that for a bit. I worked in the LP for a bit. I am just flatly better at this cultural thing than I am at the political game. And I just feel that we are going to make a better cultural difference if I kind of influence stuff by even just like video games, you know, Christianity, barbecue, the stuff that I love to talk about. You know, that if I can fix that, those communities that actually matter to me, that are actually close to me, that I'll make more of a difference than telling somebody we, we to, need vote, to do vote a, for the, we, the gold We need guy. to do a sports and video game podcast Ugh. from a Christian libertarian perspective. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's go. Christianity, libertarianism. It'll, we'll have an audience of five games. people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, it's, it's super hard not to want to do a variety show when you got all these interests. D&D. Throw that in there, too. That, yeah. yeah. Well, what can I do? All right. <laughs> all right. Cool, man. But hey, I, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Definitely, guys, check out Hody and everything he's doing. Uh, um, you know, even even while the uh, podcast is on hiatus, there's a lot of episodes you can go back and watch on lots of great subjects. Um, and and they're always uh, always a blast to you know hear people kind of like we did here. You know, people from different perspectives exchange ideas, and it's all for the betterment of our minds and our souls. So um i appreciate you coming on hody i appreciate everybody who came in and watched appreciate my wife for putting up with me and my <laughs> incessant talking uh but yeah uh thanks everybody again and until next time remember don't fear the fire for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.